Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. It's just a, a great conference that is at a at a point right now where they're I think clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history, uh, and we got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. This league is insane. Yeah, it might be like one of those eighth wonders of the world. <laughs> and you can see just what a great group of five conference it really is. It, it's a big deal. Boy, life is looking pretty good in the Sun Belt these days. Very excited about the Sun Belt. We started the Sun Belt uh, back in '76, and I'm I'm very proud of what has transpired through the years. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. Edit that out, Dusty. Welcome back to Fun Belt Podcast Season 2. Jeremy with HalRazor.com joins me, Dusty Thibodeau from Warhawk Report. Wait a second. that You didn't tell me that we were going to start calling it Season 1, Season 2, Season 3. That's, that's big time, Dusty. Glad I didn't print the t-shirts yet if you didn't approve of that. Oh, no, I approve. I approve 100%. I am stoked by the way that we are labeling our podcast. Season 2 of Fun Belt. I love it. We wrapped up football season, winning record three and one, good bowl season. I think even Appalachian State's loss there to Western Kentucky in the game, they just got zapping is, is all there is to it. I think great quarterback there and, you know, something that uh, we can still hang our head high, three and one in the bowl season. Western what Kentucky was a team of destiny. There was almost no way they were going to lose that game. And there's certainly no way that Zappy was going to press or release his foot off the gas and not try to get that big, uh, that big uh, record that he ended up getting at the end of the game. But yes, congratulations to the Sun Belt once again. Another winning uh, postseason record for the Sun Belt, which I, some people look at that and they kind of forget about it. Or you know, if you're the SEC, you shrug and you say something kind of snotty about it. But it, it's a sign of the times for the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt used to be uh, a league that could not win those uh, postseason games. Now we expect to win those postseason games. So good for us. Good for the Sun Belt. With football wrapping up, we're talking hardwood. Mm-hmm. So far, the story of the early two-week season, COVID. COVID is, is, is racking up the dubs there. COVID's undefeated. It, 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 it has been undefeated. Even so, with COVID, Tibbs, let me ask you this. Two weeks into the conference play, would you expect, even with COVID, that Georgia State, Texas State, and South Alabama would be, without a win, going into the third week of conference play? Not at all. And just like I would not have expected UT Arlington or Troy to be sitting yeah. atop the Sun Belt Conference standings. Sun Belt Entropy. There is no predicting the Sun Belt. We spent the entire time talking about how bad UTA was. 
entire time talking about how bad UA Little Rock is, and they're bad. And talking about Troy was probably in some sort of uh, reclamation or some sort of restoration mode that they might, you know, be lucky to kind of be in the middle of the pack. And look at them, three and one, right behind Louisiana. So, what do you make of the Sun Belt, uh, Sun Belt basketball right now? It's almost impossible to have an accurate opinion about them because they will fool you at every turn. The teams that have played have been really good. Yeah. And I, I think that Troy, the power of Scott Cross, has really gotten the Trojans up and going. To me, the biggest shocker, though, has been the Mavs. The Mavs have actually just come out of the gate, guns blazing, uh-huh. galloping to the top of the Sunbelt Conference standings. And I say that not only because I believe that, but, but the man that has the best-looking jackets in all <laughs> of college basketball, the voice of your Mavericks, Josh Sowers joins us. Welcome in, Josh. Always good to good to finally be with y'all. I know it's been uh, I know we've tried to get this scheduled a few times, but I'm glad to finally make it happen. And uh, yeah, when y'all get those T-shirts printed, uh, yeah, sign me up. I'll tell you my address right now if you need it. Josh, if we had signed you up earlier, if you had somehow been able to get in earlier, could you have warned us about UTA? You said, "Look, this team isn't what you think it is, guys. This team is a Sun Belt killer." Would you be able to have told us that, or are you just as surprised as the rest of us? Honestly, no, just because we you know, UT Arlington played just an absolutely ridiculous non-conference schedule. And it all started with that Oklahoma State game back on November 9th. That was, you know, five days after Oklahoma State got told they're not going to the postseason. Well, they basically wanted to shut up, you know, for latter terms, shove it up someone's behind. So they they came out there, looked like the greatest team we've ever seen. And that's when we got run run out of the gym, basically. And that's happened a few times. We didn't really have much of an offense this season. And we had a couple couple wins in non-con. They were like, okay, like maybe we can put something together. But, uh, no, this team has absolutely uh, caught fire, cooled off a little bit um, last night with a, uh, with a tough one to Georgia Southern. Uh, but this team has something, and they're starting to come together. The, the, the culture changed a little bit. The, the offense got reworked with the coaching staff, and they're starting to finally put things together. And this is, uh, this is a tough team, and uh, they're starting to show it off with that way. Like I said, a 3-1 and one start to the season uh, opened up with an overtime win over South Alabama, a healthy South Alabama at the time. Uh, so they're, they're feeling pretty good right now. We're liking this team. So a new title there, at least for Greg Young. He's been in the program there for 12 years, but but took over the head coaching role. Early struggles, one and three. What do you feel he did to kind of adapt and get this team up and going after that that sluggish one and three start? Well, it's just getting those uh, the news the news pieces of the puzzle to uh, to fit correctly. And we we've got several new newcomers, and we've got guys that are still developing. Now we do have a lot of experience on this roster. Some of that experience uh, not with UTA, Javon Levi, uh, one of the most experienced guys in college basketball with 120 plus games played. But all those are down in the whack down at a uh, uh, UTRGV. So trying to find the right pieces, uh, placing them in. Uh, the offense is working out. We've 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 lost a we've lost a guy, Pedro Castro, who's our third leading scorer, uh, and we've simply had guys step up. They they've gone into their roles that they weren't normally used to being in, and they're able to mold their game, mold themselves into the role that they need to be in. And that's exactly what we saw this last weekend. We were out a couple guys. Those guys were able to mold themselves into the role that they necessarily weren't accustomed to, weren't brought in to do, but they made it happen. You know, Josh, you just, you said a little something about offense, but uh, it's clear to me that it's not offense that's carrying this team. 
uh, Mavericks are dead last in scoring in the Sun Belt. How are they getting these wins? Is it is it the obvious? Is it defense or is it something else that I'm missing? It is defense. Greg Young is a head coach of the Mavericks. He's always been the the defensive coach. When it was under when he was under the Scott Cross regime, he was a defensive specialist. Yeah, you know, that's what he would key on when he would do the scouting uh, on other teams. So he has that defensive mindset. He always has. He always will. It's up to the assistant coaches, the associate head coaches, to bring in that offensive flair uh, that the Mavericks can use. He's always had the defensive style. Not quite, you know, if you want to go back to like the Danny Casper, Texas State era, not quite that grinded down defense because um, those pieces just just aren't there. That's a very unique style of defense. But, you know, there are several attributes of that the way he runs his defense that come from Danny Casper because Greg Young, he, you know, he he's very familiar with Casper. They've known each other a very long time. You know, they've, uh, they've taken tips from each other here and there. So it is more the defense. And what we've learned in these last few games is UTA, they're never going to be out of it uh, because we haven't, we haven't seen the same type of game where the Mavericks have been down and built come back or the Mavericks have been up big and, and lost a huge lead. You know, we're starting to see those come together, but uh, it, it really is. It, it has been the defense and just you know, Greg Young's mantra is one play one day. And when it came down to that Georgia Southern game uh, a few hours ago, it literally was one play. You're down 14 with 10 minutes to go. Hey, get one stop. Hey, just get one stop here. Get one stop here. You might find yourselves in it. And they did. Unfortunately, over time didn't work out. But I, you got to give the defense credit because they're just they're they're going to be built like that. They're aggressive and they're never going to find themselves out of it. One of the big uh, stories there that I saw for the Mavs was Patrick Umwamba. He is the first NBA Academy African graduate to sign and play at the D1 level and just the fourth overall from the academies anywhere in the world to come, and he's playing in the Sun Belt. What does he really bring to the table, and, and, and how is that guy uh, fitting in with the team? You know, Patrick, he's such a such a great story. He's, he's a great guy. Uh, love Chad. He's pretty funny. Uh, very, very smart. Uh, his story is really awesome. Um, you know, the, the coaches found him at the, uh, you know, the NBA Africa, uh, you know, that 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 school down there and uh, offered him a, a scholarship here. And he, he's gone through some, uh, uh, you know, some some troubles on the court, broke his foot at Gonzaga a couple years ago. He was out for the whole season, uh, rehabbed himself, came back. And now he he's the star that he always knew he could be. And uh, yes, he's a scorer, but his his on ball presence on the defensive side is one of the best. He's got such a great wingspan. Uh, he's quick. He's aggressive. Uh, you know, kind of a kind of a uh, maybe a, a starter project. Uh, Root Monyong. You know, if you go to a, a Little Rock reference, there, uh, such a great guy. Uh, like I said, and, and now we're starting to see his numbers come together because he's always been off the bench. Uh, always been okay. He might can do some damage here and there. Now we're seeing where teams are having to really key on him. It's like, well, if we get him started, that's going to fuel the fire for everybody else to get going. So all this talk about the men's side of basketball, the women are just as dominant and, and, and sitting at two and one overall. They did have an OT loss to Houston, but Shakira Wright really has, has this team up and going, finished as the number two seed last year and really leading the, the way again this year with Star Jacobs. I mean, first of all, great name for your, your star, no pun intended, player. But she's an All-American two-time 20 double-doubles last season, averaging 18 points. I want to say she's right there around that, that average again so far. What does she really bring, and, and how are these women kind of uh, leading the charge, so to say, for the men? Yeah, Star, uh, Star's been absolutely phenomenal. Transfer 
uh, in just a true score. Actually, they won that Houston game. That's a that's an you know, overtime win for uh, for UT Arlington, and they already are coming off. And it was a few weeks after that that they defeated South Florida. South Florida came into College Park Center ranked, and the Lady Mavs uh, took it to them. That's a really experienced squad. They've got a great core group of girls that have been there uh, now four or five years. Uh, Taryn Milton, uh, Katie Farrell, Emma Halverson, uh, Claire Chastain, and, and, and the list goes on with that experience. Uh, and that's the team that, that Krista Gerwick built. And, and give Shriek Rod a lot of credit here, too, is keeping that core together, keeping them bought in uh, to what they can do. And now we're seeing – uh, those those fruits being being shown off. Now they had a tough one against Troy. Uh, Troy voted number one. Troy's a really good team, and that's kind of been you know there's about two or three teams over the last couple of years that have been uh, atop the uh, the women's standings. Troy, UT Arlington, uh, and, and you throw in a couple of those, maybe South Alabama. Uh, over the last couple of years, you always worry about the raging Cajuns uh, down there in Lafayette. But this is a very experienced team, and yeah, you know the basketball is very healthy right now for uh, for UT Arlington. You didn't didn't know exactly how that was going to be when you have a coaching change, uh, uh, you know, on both sides in the last couple of years, but uh, the women, they're doing really, really good. Uh, love talking to Sharika Wright. She loves her team and they, uh, they love playing for her. And uh, it's just sad that we, you know, they've had, they've had one game canceled. They didn't get to play South Alabama uh, last Thursday. So hopefully this COVID situation works out because both these teams, they just simply want to play. I know y'all want to watch these basketball games and um, they're, they like where they're at. They've got some work to do. Obviously you saw that yesterday and they lost to Troy, but uh, they're, they're feeling pretty good. And it wouldn't surprise me if they're uh, top two, top three in the standings when it comes to the end. So you mentioned COVID <clears throat> and we know that COVID just makes everything stupid. It's been this way for two years now. Everything's just been ridiculous because you, you don't really, and I, I'm wondering just, just uh, in a, in a more, you know, step back from everything and, and try to be objective uh, with UTA having a good start and these other teams having a good start and some teams that we expected to have great starts, not having good starts. How much are we seeing, do you think, is sort of a, a COVID mirage where we're not seeing the very best Sunbelt basketball right now? You know, uh, I know that UA Little Rock is now canceling games. We got canceled games from Georgia State. We have South Alabama canceling games. I, I don't know if even ULM, whom Arkansas State played uh, on Saturday, I'm not sure if they even had a full roster of guys. So it just seems like right now that 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 everything's being hung on a thread. Maybe we're not seeing everything that maybe by the time it, it gets closer to March, we're going to just see totally different types of teams out there. Or do you think that what we're, what we're really seeing is being displayed right now, that, that, that this is still pretty, a pretty accurate representation of what the Sun Belt is? Yeah, no, and that's I think that's a question that everybody's asking right now. And because I mean, look at Texas State men's, they played one game and they were with they were depleted. South Alabama played played with six guys the other day, uh, lost App State, then they had to cancel the other team. Now, UT Arlington, for the most part, we only had two guys missing this last trip. Uh, we're sitting at three and one. So, and now Georgia Southern was without Elijah McCadden, their leading scorer. Uh, we saw them last night. Georgia State had their whole complement back, but they'd been on a two-week break and, and didn't play. And we saw that there. So now not only taking, okay, who's missing? And then, okay, when's the last time you played? Are you in shape? Are you ready? Are you conditioned? And if this, if all this can can simply go away, it's not, sadly. Uh, I think every team's going to run to their issues. Um, we count our blessings here at UTA that we've played four games, which is crazy. That we've Hey, we got through four games the first two weekends when not a lot of teams have been able to do that. Uh, I do think when these teams – get their their everybody back fully 
that we are going to see those teams that maybe that we expected Texas State, uh, Georgia State. Okay, they're going to string some wins together and they're going to be atop the standings. But, you know, if the this trend continues, that it's pretty much the wild, wild west. And, you know, if not everybody's going to get 80% games in and, and wherever the seeding falls, I mean, it's going to be a true, I don't even think you almost have seeds. You don't even look at the seeds when it comes to tournament because I think every single game is going to be winnable for any team. Uh, I, I throw UL in there. I throw Coastal Carolina in there. I, I, I think if this trend continues, Players are going to miss some, you know, times for a month that when it comes to the tournament time, seeds simply aren't going to matter uh, from, from whatever perspective you, uh, you might endeavor when it comes to, uh, you know, if you do the old betting thing. Uh, I wouldn't even look at seeds. I think it's going to be a total toss when it comes to tournament if this trend continues. But as you said, I do expect those teams that have struggled, they're going to find their way. They're going to find their wins later on in the season because we do know Texas State is a talent. Yeah, I think that is an – those are some excellent points you make. You know, especially about, you know, it's not just about, oh, well, we're, we're COVID free now. We've got all of our guys together. You still have to recover from that. Even after you test, you know, negative for COVID, you still have to get back on the court and get that synergy back. You know, maybe there's, it's possible that none of these teams that have been hit hard, and thank God some of our teams haven't been hit hard. Uh, Arkansas State is one of those teams. It, it, maybe it's just a matter of uh, the survival of the, the, the least sickest for the Sun Belt this year, and 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 I think that's I don't think that's a negative or a positive. I think that's actually a team that knows how to handle its 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 roster and knows how to stay healthy and you know possibly you know took vaccination serious and, and made those strides. So so uh, good for those teams that are staying healthy. Feel really bad for teams that aren't healthy and seem to be missing out on this pivotal first few weeks of, of Sun Belt play. Yeah, and you know you talk about. You know, that they get to a whole nother um, realm of, you know, vaccinations and whatnot that we're, I've used. It, it's that, that's, that's whatever. Uh, it is what it is, but just the, the, it's, you know, 2020 was such a weird year. You know, you only played a certain amount of games. You don't want to throw, you don't want to discount anybody's championship from 2020. Uh, and now we're starting to see some early signs of that here in conference play in 2021 that, uh, it's like, okay, well, how many games have they played? Are they really that bad? Are they really that good? That's just questions we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, and that, that's what's unfortunate. You know, Sunbelt made the policy of we're not going to reschedule any games. I don't know when you would be able to reschedule any games because now at this point, there's almost too many games to reschedule. You're gonna simply just going to run out of time. I don't know what the solution is, if there is a solution to that. Um, but the whole, the 80 percentile when it comes to the seating in the tournament, I, it already looks like that's going to come into a, a big factor. Look at the women's side. Four teams still haven't even played a conference game. That's unbelievable. Uh, and we're two weeks in. So how's that going to fit in with everything? So we're, we got some wild times ahead when it comes to these standings jockeying for both, for both the women and the men. So we were talking a little earlier about UTA as a whole. The rumor mill is spinning around with all the conference realignment stuff. That this will be the last time, Josh, we ever get to talk. There's a tear. No more Mavs. What are you hearing from your side of – up in Arlington, what's happening with the Mavs and the Sunbelt Conference? Well, it was pretty much the, the linchpin was going to be football, and uh, there's there's no football in the near plans for uh, for UT Arlington. As a UT Arlington graduate, that, that saddens me just because I'm, I'm a UTA guy. I would love to see football here uh, once again because it was, you know, lost in, in 1986, never got to see it, unfortunately. Um, but that's just that's that's the lay of the land uh, up here in Arlington. So uh, Keith Gill and the Sun Belt, you know, they've gone out and got all these other teams brought in. James Madison, Southern Miss, Marshall, uh, Old Dominion, all them. That's that's going to be a really good football conference. 
and uh, that's it's going to be a really good football conference, especially that uh, that East Division uh, out there with App State and whatnot. Uh, basically, it's we're looking for a basketball conference uh, because we we're, we want to be a basketball school and we are a basketball school. So Sunbelt's not going to fit into that, uh, that plan for us. So then you look at the Missouri Valley conference, you look at the Western athletic conference, Western athletic conference has gone through a total facelift over the last couple of seasons. Uh, and a lot of the old Southland teams that we used to have a rivalry with uh, Sam Houston, Stephen F. Austin, Abilene Christian, they've all gone to the WAC. Now, Sam Houston's going to Conference USA now, uh, going next season. Uh, but then you have Stephen F. and Abilene Christian in the WAC. Now, the other side of that is the Missouri Valley Conference. The Missouri Valley Conference has expressed interest in the DFW Metroplex um, to get a little further south. They have that in baseball with Dallas Baptist, but Dallas Baptist is only uh, D1 in baseball. So... That's kind of the two options right now. Uh, I think things are on the table. Uh, nothing's been signed yet. Nothing's been uh, nothing's been named official. But uh, I, I think the the days of UT Arlington in the uh, in the Sun Belt uh, are going to come to an end. Uh, maybe sooner, maybe later. Uh, we just don't know. It all depends on what these other conferences are able to get done. So there's no real concrete plan, I guess, so to say, in, in place as it stands right now. UTA will be in the Sun Belt forever and ever. Amen. Absolutely. Right now, yes, we're there next year. Uh, that schedule would be insane uh, with those other teams coming in uh, from a uh, from a basketball perspective. I don't know how that would work. I'm sure they're uh, putting those plans in together right now. But yes, as of uh, as of this right now, uh, UT Arlington is in the Sun Belt uh, for the uh, for the foreseeable future. And and we we always talk about football really driving things. It, it is because that's the big money maker with the bowl system, the potential playoffs, and and things like that. Do you think that UTA is in a position where they could look at fielding football, or do you feel that that's just not a, a feasible possibility? Uh, they could. There's no doubt. We have a stadium. It's still the, the, the stadium we had back in the 80s. Uh, it's, it's just financial, uh, the financial side of things. And when, when, when football left in the 80s, it was absolutely hemorrhaging money from the athletic department. Uh, and then you think of how that was – in 1986 that's going on almost 30 years ago uh well no 40 years ago geez uh yeah so you know in inflation and, and you taking more you know accounts broadcasts you know espn and, and all that so it, it's something that can definitely be looked at um but i think financially wise uh the university is uh is not in a a, a state to do that uh the university actually doesn't even have a full-time president right now uh we have not had a full-time president for the last couple of seasons we've had an interim president uh he actually just got a job at njit and so we're still in the process of hiring a, a full-time president. So uh, a, lot, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of questions uh, in the air uh, here, in, uh, here in Arlington when it comes to uh, you know, when it, leadership and uh, where everything's going to be going. Um, it is sad we're not in football. It's an expanding university, beautiful campus, uh, maybe one day. But uh, unfortunately, tomorrow will not be the day. So, you know, you continue then to be a citizen of the Sunbelt, Josh, and we're glad to have you as a citizen of the Sunbelt. Uh, Thanks, guys. Uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> royalty in a lot of ways but uh, well i was wondering just you know almost in a another thirty thousand uh, foot observation who do you see in the sunbelt basketball right now that so has surprised you and who do you see as an emerging threat uta of course being one of them but who's else is out there that you're looking at and surprised you a little bit uh, well, yeah, we, uh, we like where we are right now. Um, we, get, we get completely healthy. We, we like our squad. Uh, you talked about it at the beginning of the show, uh, Troy. We, we played Troy a couple weeks ago, and that's, that's not the Troy from the last couple of years that we've saw. And coming but you from, beat him. Yeah, we did. Barely. <laughs> hey, it was close. Yeah, it was close. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I've, I've been with I worked with Scott Cross for you know a number of years. When I was in school at UTA, he was he was the head coach, and you know he he knows how to get guys to uh, to stand up and play. And now he's starting to get his guys in there uh, that he wants. And I, I think Troy is is Troy is your uh, your your dark horse emerger. Um, and we, we played them. They've had a couple of good wins this year already. They're just, they're a tough team. I, I, I put them in the category like us. Uh, you may not have just the ultra mid-major talents that you'll find, but you're going to get to find a lot of guys uh, that may not score a lot, but they're going to do the right thing. They're going to work hard. They're going to play hard. They're going to be aggressive. Uh, so I'd pick Troy as the, uh, as the, uh, as the dark horse. Other than that, as we talked about earlier, it is so hard to tell. I really liked Georgia Southern yesterday, and Georgia Southern was minus Elijah McCadden. Uh, that's just the fun part about this mid-major Sunbelt Conference basketball is, you know, now these teams are a little bit more even. You know, everybody can match up with everybody. That was so hard about our non-conference schedules. We're going against these Power Fives. Everybody that went to the tournament, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Oral Roberts, um, and, and a couple others, Utah State, and, and we're just getting absolutely outmatched and dominated and uh, now we're starting to see like, okay, this is okay. This is kind of fun. You know, we're, we're, we actually have a chance in this game and uh, Mavericks are putting themselves together. Yeah. Troy, Troy, the dark horse. And it, I don't even know what to do with App state right now. I really don't just because we don't know who's going to play day in and day out. And it's, it's yeah. really, uh, it's really funny when you hop off the bus, when you're on the road and the opposing coach is there at shoot around waiting to greet everybody. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. All right. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. All right. He's not here. Cool. See you guys later. You know, it's, it's a weird. <laughs> That's how it is now. Modern Sunbelt basketball in the COVID now, I won't era. name names, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying I haven't done that either. Either. <laughs> sure. We're, we're all Southern schools and just very hospitable is all it is. That's Absolutely. That was. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? yeah, gotta, <laughs> hey, gotta make sure that power rate is uh, in the, uh, or the Gatorades in the, in the, in over there and everything. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, Josh, we thank you for joining us to talk Mavs, both men's, women's basketball, and the future of them being in the Sunbelt Conference. Any parting shots there for you? Parting shots? No. Well, we do have the Raging Cages this week. Uh, you know, hopefully uh, we can uh, we can play that game. That'll be a fun one. Yeah, real uh, real nice of uh, ESPN to pick up the uh, the South Al Georgia State game uh, for ESPN two, and not the uh, Raging Cajun UT Arlington game. You know, uh, just you know top two or three teams in the uh, Sunbelt Conference play on Thursday. But, hey, you know, we want to show off Georgia State. You know, that's, that's what we want to do here on ESPN. So, uh, no, thanks, guys, for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, sorry it took so long to get me on. Hopefully I can come on uh, a few weeks down the road before uh, for the tournament. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, I will I do I still want one of those T-shirts, by the way. Hey, by, by the way, before the tournament, you know, we might be crowding up a lot of people on this show because it looks like just about everybody's going to be a contender. Uh, in the tournament so so it's going to be exciting it's, it's going to be uh it's going to be a busy next couple of months for fun belt podcast and we do appreciate you being on the show thanks guys appreciate it so jeremy we were talking uta no yeah. football for the maps none at no. all no ulm has football yes. and they have our first guest <laughs> of the fun belt legends and that would be former linebacker, Cartier Jackson. He was with the Warhawks from 2006 through 2009. <laughs> He's a legend. Yes. He is a legend. 2009, yeah. co-defensive player of the year, fourth in Sunbelt Conference history with 381 tackles. That's fifth all-time ULM, three-time all-conference selection, the man, Cartier Jackson. Welcome in, Cartier. How's it going? So you were a guy that was from Monroe, Originally committed to Louisiana Tech, you were wanting to leave the, the great city of Funroe 
then flipped on National Signing Day to become a Warhawk. Tell me what really kept you staying right there in, in the city of Monroe. Uh, to be honest, my, uh, my mom was in the hospital at the time, and um, I had a younger sibling who passed away two, three years ago on me. And, um, you know, I had a decision to make, you know, to be there for my family, go head off and uh, pursue my career. And I chose to stay close to, close to home, close to my mom, because she was in, in and out of the hospital. And I had to help my little sister out. So what, what, better, what better other place to be is home, you know? So very fortunate for the Sun Belt. Maybe not fortunate for some of the, the uh, opposition of the Sun Belt, though. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so w- when you go back, I want to say your, your first season, you had just under 100 tackles there. How was it kind of making that transition in from high school to college overall? And then knowing that you were the, the, the local standout and now all of a sudden you're playing in the big stadium there of Malone Stadium. Oh, the speed of the speed of the game was a little quicker. You know, you had to test to it from high school on up to college, collegiate level, whatnot. You just had to get on pace with the other guys. You know, you had all the MVPs going to college. So, you know, you one out of one out of ten to make it, you know. So um, being in my hometown, it was it was good to stick around and have the same fan base you know, come out support, and I was right up the street. So it was, it was pretty good for me. The, the, the most difficult part was the uh, speed of the game. You know, it was a little, little quicker. What, what's your biggest memory you have or your first collegiate memory of, of that first time stepping on the field? Uh, just how fast everything was going, you know. <laughs> the pace of the game and getting calls and getting everybody lined up right with me being the quarterback of the defense, you know, it was, you know, it was, it was like that. It was, it was real quick. So that's that's the biggest adjustment I had. You know, once I got that, I, I think everything went smooth after that. Tell me, what was your favorite game in your time as a as a, a member of a Warhawk? Oh, we I have to say the Alabama game. <laughs> <laughs> what's now, the with the one that, that you guys ended up beating Alabama? Yes, sir. 21-14. Now, let me ask you this. What was the reaction of the crowd? as the tickets or as the uh, time was winding down and it became evident that there was not going to be any hero coming out of the sky to save Alabama and that the Warhawks were going to be the winner of that game. I think Nick Saban underestimated us. You know, he was looking down on, I know it was his first year, but I think he underestimated us. He looked down on us. He put his second and third string in to start. Not realizing we all put on the pass the same way. You know, it's a mind game. You got to go out there and, you know, get physical and get at it, you know. You can't be scared. That's one thing. I, I was I was more excited to play the bigger schools because I felt like they gave me more publicity to get out and uh, get my name known. So I was ready to ball, you know, SEC come around. I mean, any game, but the most important games to me was uh, the SEC, the big, the big ticket games, you know. Well, one of the other big things, during your time frame there at ULM, they were very dominant over the rival Louisiana Lafayette. How big were those games, knowing that closing out the season, it was always going to be a good fight, but it was always going to be typically in, in ULM's favor? Uh, that, that, that rival, that was something like Wiseman and Carroll. <laughs> you know, it was, it was a good rival, an in-state, in-state rival, and we was the real Louisiana. They wanted to say we was Louisiana Monroe, but we was Louisiana, you know, the real something about Louisiana, I say. But it was a great, um, it was a great time going up against Fenroy, and you know he was there the whole four years I was there, and it was a good competition, you know. Now, are there some guys in in the conference that you, in in the time that you played in the Sun Belt, that you look back on and say those guys were 
were probably my toughest competitors. Do you, do you look back at those guys? And do you have a list of those guys that you think of? Those guys were the best I ever played with? Uh, no, nah, I don't say Finrod for the sun belt. Everybody else. I mean, Morris um, from FAU, he was pretty good, but no one was better than the ULM defense at the time. He was there, you know, I, no one. I, I can't even admit that. <laughs> oh, the only guy that gave you guys a challenge was Alfred Morris from FAU. Nope. Yeah, and outside the conference, um, probably the most difficult running back we ever played was Darren McFadden, you know, because he was just uh, all around. I heard of hard him. running. He yeah, he's good. Yeah, he he was great back there. <laughs> but uh, I can remember a certain play we played Darren McFadden, and he said, "Warhawks, who are the Warhawks? Where y'all from?" You know, it was like totally disrespect. But what can you do about it? You know, oh, Darren McFadden. I guess you got to go out and tackle, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so when your time at ULM came to a close, went undrafted, but got signed as an undrafted free agent by St. Louis Rams, how great is that when your phone rings, it's your agent calling saying, hey, we got us a deal? A dream come true, man. It was really a dream come true. And not only a dream come true just to make it, just to go on and uh, play NFL ball, just the experience of winning a Super Bowl, just being in a Super Bowl. I mean, no, those were times you can't get back, you know. It was priceless. You know, you can have all the money where you can't buy a Super Bowl championship ring. So, I feel like everything happened for a reason. And, uh, you know, Lord sent me to St. Louis to, for me to get cut in Green Bay to pick me up, you know. So, if I would have made a 53-man roster with St. Louis, you know, I, I wouldn't have had a chance to go uh, get that ring, you know. So, everything happened for a reason, you know, the good and the bad. You just don't know that bad till that good roll back around. Well, help us out a little bit with that. You were talking about the speed of the game when you walked out in your first collegiate game at Monroe. How is the speed of the game compare when you hit the NFL? It's, it's like this. Blink, blink. <laughs> is that is that much faster? I mean, it's different levels to it, you know. You just have to adjust to the levels of the, of the speed of the game. And, um, you know, it takes time. It takes time. You're not going to get it in first season. Well, some some fortunate to get it in the first season. I just didn't have the reps, the opportunities. You know, with me being a, a free agent, I was one out of the ten to make it. Just uh, so so showcase my talent and what I can do. And um, once I got cut, I sat down and I asked my coach. I said, "Do you really think I'm NFL caliber?" He said, "Oh yeah, most definitely." But it was like I. I got the ring, and once I got the ring, it was like I was satisfied, to be honest with you. You know, because guys play 12, 13 years, you know, they never get to experience that ring. You know, you they have all the millions of dollars. And, you know, of course, I, I wouldn't mind having a couple million tickets, but uh, <laughs> I'd rather have that ring over that meal ticket. You can't buy it. So, yeah, that was, that was the most, most, most great, greatest feeling that I can uh, experience with that. So you got your ring, you got your, you got, you had your career. What's going on with you now? Well, basically, I, I transitioned to the railroad side of life, normal life, <laughs> working man life. So that's what I'm doing now, raising my family. And I, I forget, are, are you back in Monroe, or are you in uh, South Louisiana? I'm in South Louisiana in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Okay. Yes, now, I, I got to ask you this, though, as we circle back to your time with the Packers, too, I found the article and I can already see your smile and how you were probably <laughs> jumping up and down while you were talking about it. 
Jeremy, this guy had not one, uh-huh. two interceptions oh. of Aaron Rodgers on practice. Ah. Uh, <laughs> yes. How, how great. And, and did you walk up and, like, hand him the ball afterwards going, uh, I, I got something for you? No, hey, Rod, he a pretty sick guy. I can just give him a little eye contact and, you know, point the finger at him, man. We talked later out the practice in the, in the uh, locker room about it. You know, he told me, keep doing what you're doing, kid. You're pretty good. You know, just keep doing what you're doing. And, and, and saying that, how big is it that a guy from Monroe, Louisiana, that played at ULM in the Sun Belt, was able to make it to the NFL and, and kind of have that experience of a Super Bowl, the, the interceptions of Aaron Rodgers, even on the practice squad? It, it all happened so fast, you know. It was within the first year of me making it to the league. So I, it was really – it was surreal to me. You know, I didn't soak it in. And um, to maybe now, I still I still look at my ring sometime and, wow, you know, I, what I accomplished. But uh, just being a small kid from Monroe, man, it was – it was hard growing up, you know. It was, I had a hard upbringing. Uh, right before I got to college, I got shot in a drive-by, uh, random drive-by. I was the only one to get hit out of about 20 people. And uh, that, that really separate, separated me from the crowd, you know. And then once I got to college, I said I was going to do the right thing. Of course, you know, you get to college and hook up with your, with your guys and you still be knuckleheads. But I watched who I surrounded myself with, you know. I, I surrounded myself with good company and uh, – we just motivated each other to keep going. And, you know, every summer we was in the weight room, didn't, didn't miss a day in the weight room. So I think that played a big part of it, you know, just being successful, just, just that drive, that want, that want it. You know, anybody can be talented. You just have to work hard for it, you know. Hard work, I'll be talented any day. Yeah, that was, it was, man, you got me thinking about it right now. <laughs> It was, it was pretty. It was pretty awesome, though, man. Like from Monroe to Wiseman to ULM to St. Louis to Green Bay, just being on that pedestal, that that highest, the highest pedestal you can get on. And um, oh man, it, it, it still shocks me. It still shocks me. It's, it's still unreal to me. Do you, do you ever kind of go back and, and play those plays in your mind, going, "Hey, I got burnt. I should have went left instead of instead of right, or or anything like that." I have those the woulda, shoulda, couldas. Of course, everybody have those, you know. So, man, I should have did this. I should have did that. You know, my high school coach once told me, he said, you do it right the first time. You do it right, you do it light. You know, you do it wrong, you do it long. You know, and, I, and that stuck with me, you know. So I try to do it the right way. Unfortunately, everybody's not perfect. But, you know, I got the job done. <laughs> <laughs> so do you still keep up with the Warhawks at all? Or do you just have you kind of put all that behind you now, working on just being a dad and a working man? Pretty much. I kind of put the football life behind me, even though I, I, I still, you know, communicate with the guys in my neighborhood that I stay in about, you know, reaching their goals and what they really want to do and go in the right direction to, you know, reach them goals. And I would I would like to become more active in the football world uh, with ULM, you know, with my experience there and with me having to uh, move away from home to raise my family and whatnot. But uh, it, it's pretty much been work with me because my work schedule is pretty hectic on the railroad. So I really didn't have time to, like, go back and give back to the community because I'm I'm a based on call on the railroad. So I have to be close to home. Well, I do, though, that the Sun Belt always welcomes you back with open arms because uh, you're one of the guys that really made the Sun Belt great. And we really appreciate your contributions to the Sun Belt. 
to the Warhawks, to the NFL, and to the state of Louisiana. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot there, Cartier. Yes, sir. It'll be greater later. I would have liked him to say, oh, yeah, the Sun Belt games are the best. But <laughs> it's hard to beat that uh, Alabama game. Yeah. So our first legend in the books of yeah. Cartier Jackson, one thing that he said, you know, his most memorable game, 2007, the Week 12 win against Alabama. I think that game is so much bigger than just it being a ULM win. And the reason I say that is that was the first big-time win that the Sun Belt had to put the feather in its cap. Yes, I know in 2001, the first year of the league, Middle Tennessee opens up with a win of Vandy. It's Vandy. I'm sorry. Yes, it's SEC, but it's Vandy. (laughs) Year two, you have North Texas beating Cincinnati in the NOLA Bowl for the conference's first bowl game win. Yeah. They follow up in 2003, beating Baylor of the Big 12. Troy in 2004, getting the league's first at-large bowl bid. 2005, Middle Tennessee again beats Vandy. 2006, for just the second time in the league, only five years into the league, we have two teams in the postseason. And then you have that 2007 where you have Troy beating Oklahoma State to kick off the year, or in week three, rather, and then ULM beating Alabama. I feel like that year, the 2007 year, and especially that win over Alabama, really helped solidify the league as a whole knowing that you had seen this progress year after year after year after year to get the Sun Belt to be the legitimate conference. And in 2008, I, I, I hate to toot the horn of the Red Wolves just too much, but we ended up beating uh, uh, Texas A&M that year. And, and, that was, and that was a kind of a nice feather in the Sun Belt's caps too. But yes, that 2007 year, Oklahoma State and ULM being Alabama were two incredible wins. And you have to realize, if, if nowadays, you know, you see a lot of good news about the Sun Belt. Uh, they're winning football games. They're expanding on a football level. They've become this sort of football conference. Back in 2001 and heading into 2007, up to that game against Alabama, I think a lot of people saw Sun Belt football as a kind of a joke. It, it, was, it was just kind of like, a, kind of like the way – uh, that uh, he was he was mentioning earlier when we were talking uh, to our, our our Sun Belt legend uh, Cartier Jackson, you know he was he was just kind of saying you know as uh, the Sun Belt it was the big it was those SEC games as those big games that gave him more motivation, but we had to win those big games in order for even our in conference games to become big games. Does that make sense to you? It does. And and then also, yeah. I mean, it adds a legitimacy to the conference as a whole. And you have to remember in 2001, when Wright Waters began college football here, this was a basketball and baseball league. Yes. And, and, and just as much as we talked with Josh earlier about UTA kind of being the outlier with basketball only, it was almost the, the, the inverse of that, of these schools with football, what are they doing? Because actually in 2001, ULM, for instance, was still in the Southland for all sports except for football. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, Arkansas State at the time had been, I, I think we were independent when we entered the Sun Belt. But before then, we were in the Big West. We we're in some other just kind of, of, of fringe sort of football leagues. I think we we're in the WAC for just a little bit. But 
but the point was is that there was really no home for a lot of us. The Sun Belt gave us a home and it was a sustainable home. But that home at first was, it was a bunch of really just a bunch of outcasts that were kind it of, the, it was the misfits. Yeah. Just kind of a, a bunch of teams that kind of had been around for a long time, but had never really seen a whole lot of success. And so then to put those guys together and then to automatically assume that they were going to, that, that the Sunbelt was going to be a great football conference. Well, that, well, that just wasn't going to happen. And yeah, when Cartier and his, his Warhawks, beat Alabama, uh, <laughs> I'm sure Nick Saban did uh, uh, underestimate the Warhawks when they came in. Just like I'm sure Oklahoma State uh, 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 sort of took Troy lightly, even though Troy, I think, was in, at time uh, actually a pretty good football team. But the, the point being, it, we had to get those wins for the Sun Belt to take that next step. And that's, you need those wins to recruit players. You need those wins to get TV contracts. You need those wins to build a conference. If it wasn't wins like, weren't wins like ULM versus Alabama, there would not be the Sun Belt that we see today. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Now, With were that you said, there for that game? What's up? Were you there for that game? I was not because that was my son's uh, fifth birthday. So. Wow. While the Warhawk fans were cheering the Alabama game, I was uh-huh. watching Barney or one of those <laughs> other kid-type movies. I did go for when the team came back. There was a big celebration at uh, Malone Stadium to kind of welcome the team back. I was there for that to uh, get some video of, of, of the team rolling in and everyone cheering, chanting. Uh, fantastic time that night. But, yeah, for the game, no. Now, I recall that ULM put up like an outdoor board kind of celebrating that win that, that there was a local car dealership in Monroe uh-huh. that bought billboards along <laughs> I-20. Well, it, it was originally by campus to celebrate the win. Then later that year, once it kind of became clear that Alabama was going to go to the independence bowl in Shreveport and they were going to have to drive through Monroe, they made sure <laughs> that they put several of them along I-20 on their way to Shreveport. And you know what's funny is about Cartier, you know, he pointed out that win against Alabama right away. That was his favorite uh, football experience as a Warhawk. And, and I guess what, what, what that culminated to, it sort of cemented to him, him as a player. It sort of validated his role as a player that he could stand up with just these guys in the SEC, just like anybody else. You know, he even said it in a way, you know, we put our pads just the same way as they did. And so by winning against UL or winning against Alabama, it showed that the Sun Belt belonged on that gridiron. And it, 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 it was something that was so necessary and so needed. And you, you really do, as, as, a, as a citizen of the Sun Belt, you really do owe a lot of thanks to, the, to ULM for breaking open that, that sort of, uh, that sort of, <laughs> that popping that cherry for us, so to speak, of, of, of winning these big games. And now it's, it's, it's I, I don't want to say it's routine, but in a way, Tibbs, it is. Uh, beating Power 5 teams for the Sun Belt doesn't hold the same sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, alert There's, as it used to. It's almost as business as usual for us. Yeah, they, it doesn't have that that shock and awe factor to it, other than maybe what the margin or how the game was won, not necessarily that the game was won. Yeah, absolutely. It used to be if a Sun Belt beat a, a, a Power 5 team – 
there was a lot of like, what's wrong with that Power Five team? They must have had a bad day. That they must have some internal problems. You know, maybe there's an illness. You know, there wasn't really any any look at the winning team. Uh, nowadays, you're looking at the Sun Belt team and say these guys are really good, and they were the better team on the field. So yeah, once again, ULM breaking that open for us. That was a big night. Cartier playing a huge part. Thank you, Cartier, for being a legend of the Sun Belt. Our first legend of the Fun Belt in the books. We'll have many more coming up in the in the upcoming weeks. I'm looking forward to it because a lot of these guys I might not have necessarily covered in my time or I knew of them but didn't really know them or get a chance to talk to them. So exciting to kind of see uh, their perspective of what the league was back in the day. Some guys just before the league really formed, but were kind of the foundation for their various teams of getting into the Sunbelt Conference. We're going to speak to Cleo Lemon, who was a, a master uh, quarterback uh, for Arkansas State, had a nice career uh, at, with the Miami Del Dolphins. And I was speaking to him earlier. He said, well, you know, I really wasn't Sunbelt. We, we, the Sunbelt happened after us. But here's the thing with the Sunbelt. We needed players like that to build the Sunbelt. Without to get into the Sun Belt. Right. Yeah. I mean, without, without a clear lemon, Arkansas State doesn't get into the Sun Belt. So there is just, it's just, what's, what's great, it's, you know, you get the SEC, and that's been like, what, have they been around for 100 years? You've got the oh, Sun Belt that's been around, what, 25, 30 years. You have to look past beyond the Sun Belt to see how the Sun Belt was made. And that's what we're going to do with some of these legends of the Sun Belt. Definitely. We wrap up episode one of season two, Jeremy. Yeah. Parting shots, promos, <laughs> and plugs. I do have a parting shot. Hey, uh, did you watch the uh, <clears throat> Arkansas State Warhawks basketball game on uh, Saturday? Did you see that? Did you? It was on ESPN N3. I don't know if you get ESPN3 in Houston, so I was just going to ask if maybe you had seen the game, maybe had any thoughts about that game. Um, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I can't understand you. Yeah, yeah, it was a, a basketball game between the Warhawks and the Red Wolves. It started really hot for the Red Wolves, and then the Red Wolves really cooled down, and the Warhawks got super hot by, by your, your, Georgian, your Georgian forward, whose name I can't pronounce, but he was like <laughs> making all these three-pointers and then coming into the lane and making all these layups, and he was unstoppable. And, and, and then, then it looked like the Warhawks were going to win. And then all of a sudden, they kind of just stopped scoring and stopped playing defense. And Arkansas State came from behind and ended up winning 90 to 83. Did you see that game? So my uh, parting shot there, Jeremy. Okay. There was a recent article out on the Extra Point mm. talking about coaches getting doused with Gatorade. Oh, okay. Tell me more. And then it expanded to the Duke's Mayo Bowl and how yeah. Beamer got the Mayo bath and how much bowl. would it cost uh -huh. to have these various liquids, solids, or gels poured over you. Okay. By the way, the Duke's Mayo Bowl estimated to be $147. Uh-huh. The Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Uh-huh. Just under two hundred dollars. Now, what was poured in that for the Tony the Tiger? Yeah. Uh, oh, was that was that Frosted Flakes? Frosted Flakes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It goes up from there. All uh right. -huh. 
but a cooler also of blooming onions at the Outback Bowl. Ooh, about twelve hundred bucks. Yeah, I, I think as long as they weren't hot, I think it would be good. That's a lot of blooming onions. I I, I would be okay with that. Uh-huh. My favorite though uh-huh. was the most expensive, of course, the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. Probably six million dollars of stuff that wouldn't even fit in the jug, and if it did, it wouldn't pour out correctly. <laughs> you know, all right. I, I do appreciate that article, but you know what it did not assess? What's that? The emotional cost of having $120 of mayonnaise being poured on your head. I, I mean, Beamer, anyway. <laughs> um, I, is Beamer still like in a corner? just kind of sobbing and crying, reliving that moment of having to be doused with mayonnaise. Now, if you saw the video, and I'm sure you did, not only was he, was he doused with the mayonnaise, which it has to be a, a, a sort of mentally catastrophic event just in the first place, but he also got pounded in the head by the jug itself, like, like he, enough to, to cause maybe stars or, or a concussion. We call that and one in basketball. <laughs> Yeah, he did. He, he earned the and one. He got the hoop and the harm for that. So shout out to Beamer for not only sitting for that. He was a big, big sport, but also sustaining injury. But uh, yeah. Now, so you, we don't really have that kind of cachet in the, like for the GoDaddy Bowl. We don't have a GoDaddy Bowl anymore, but what would you have put into the GoDaddy jug would have been you know, maybe a bunch of URLs. I feel like at the time they were constantly pushing their coupons that you could find in almost any magazine or newspaper. So it would have to be a bunch of clippings of, of the coupons. Okay. All right. So the camellia bowl, what would be in that? Would it just be flowers? Flowers. Okay. See, that would be nice. I get doused with flowers. What about the lending tree bowl? Maybe some... Cash money, baby. Ooh, yeah, but you'd have to pay it back with interest. Well, I mean, <laughs> victors go to the spoils. Yeah, for a time being. I mean, maybe what, what you do with that money, you could use it to build a small business or buy a house and then and you'd have to pay. Buy your back. Super Bowl ring there that Cartier Jackson talked about. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping he'd flash that for us, but I get you. By, by the way, if you ever meet him, he wears it very proudly. No, was he was he phoning us from his working man job at the railroad? Uh, I, I for for his protection, I can neither confirm nor deny. Okay, because I thought that was pretty cool. That was some badass. Like, if if you're gonna be like a Super Bowl champion, I feel like the only way you can top that is being some sort of rail, railroad champion too. Calling us from the front of the train. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. What else do we have there, Jeremy, before we wrap up this first episode? Okay. What? what, I'm sorry, what? I asked, what else do we have? Oh, well, we're missing a guy. We are man down. We're man down. uh, We're missing uh, Ben Moore. We had some family obligations. Hopefully for season two, episode two, he can join us. Uh, we will have Cleo Lemon hopefully t- tomorrow, but we're not sure when his segment will appear. Maybe next week. 
Is that how that's working? Yeah. Okay. I think that's, that makes sense. But we're going to talk to them tomorrow. But we will the talk to them tomorrow. Through the magic of editing and production, we will. it will be the second episode, which will be next week. That is correct. Okay. That's it. I got nothing. You could, although here's what I do recommend our, 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 our listeners to do is check out Hellraiser. There is a, a stunning account of a certain basketball game that happened on Saturday between Arkansas State and ULM. I won't say, I won't give it away. I won't say who won. But it was Arkansas State. Thank you, Jeremy. No, no problem.